1: It is being called the world's biggest deal for humanoid robots. Welcome back to Nation. I'm Fred Fishkin. The name of the company is Beyond Imagination and with us is founder, Dr. Harry Klure. Thank you for taking the time.
0: Uh, my pleasure, delighted to be here.
1: Well, let's start with a bit of background about Beyond Imagination.
0: Sure, so Beyond Imagination was launched in January of 2018. Uh, by myself and co-founders Dean Kamen, Ray Kurzweil, Paul Jacobs, Tony Robbins.
1: Really a, a stellar list there of, of, of people. So tell us what the what the goal is here. What is it that your mission is?
0: So our, our mission uh, is to solve the world's uh, labor crisis. Uh, in essence, to be able to create humanoid robots capable of doing a limitless number of tasks. Our approach is to first have them controlled by humans anywhere on the planet. And then over time, uh, our AI brain evolves so it can take on the task autonomously. Um, And so we uh, have completed the construction of the robot and in the first stage of the AI, we premiered at CES uh, in Vegas in January of 2022. And have done a variety of other shows, including at the world famous Explorers Club in New York City. Um, and we are rapidly moving towards market. So
1: this is called the, the robot that, if people are watching, they can see behind you. This is B Omni, B E O M N I, and Self Labs says it's going to purchase at least a thousand of them in the next five years, and they'll be using the robots, I think, to tend crops what I understand,
0: tell me about this. So we uh, signed an agreement with Self Labs uh, for a thousand robots over the next five years. Uh, Of course, beginning uh, actually with our first robot development this this month specifically geared towards them and the AI geared uh, towards their application. Their application is in uh, large scale grow boxes and these are gonna be completely off the grid. So they will pull water from the atmosphere They will use solar energy uh, for every power requirements. And the goal is uh, with uh, our robots, they can be fully automated. So not require humans to tend them um, and not require any uh, on-grid resources.
1: And what would the robots be doing? What kinds of tasks? Because I guess you're involved in in, uh, setting these up, I suppose.
0: Yeah, so the tasks... Uh, are in a closed environment so it's a, it's a first great use case uh, it's a closed environment the robot will be uh, planting um, in the hydroponic uh, grow grow pots uh, they will tend to the to the plants they will then harvest them when they're ready they'll put them in containers for for basically direct to market they'll then put those containers in other boxes and then those boxes will be The robot will take them out and and put them onto a conveyor or bring them directly to a truck. Uh, Our system is completely mobile. It can can move about both inside the grow box, but also can move about outside the grow box.
1: And initially, from what I understand and what you're saying,
0: that uh, these will be operated by people remotely? So initially we'll do that, but by the time these are being fully deployed, because it's such a limited set of tasks, uh, the AI will basically be autonomously taking care of the task. And let's say I have a thousand robots uh, working. If they run into trouble, a human can can jump in and and fix the problem. Um, The the reason we're starting with grow boxes and our second application uh, is in surgical uh, assistance is that there's a limited number of tasks and uh, their closed environment so a grow box very limited knowable set of tasks that we can teach the ai to do autonomously same thing actually in a surgical room uh, where the robot's not doing any cutting but is assisting the surgeon so for instance uh we have a second agreement that's that's coming so you'll be the first to know uh coming this week um and that is actually with martin Roche and Roni Abovitz who created Mako Surgical Robots as well as Magic Leap. Um, and there, the, the, that company will be focused on surgical applications. And the first part is as an orthopedic rep. And then that will be more, more human controlled. Uh, and then surgical assist where the robot will be selecting the instruments for a particular surgery, placing them on a tray, and then handing the instruments to the surgeon. Uh, as needed, uh, but uh, with perfect perfection and at a at a speed of an expert. So those are our two first applications. What's similar about them is a limited number of tasks in a closed environment. So when we
1: see we you know we're familiar with the TV shows when the surgeon says scalpel this and that, the the robot would be responding to it instead of the surgical nurse or
0: whomever. Right, and that's because again, both for labor shortage and also because. For skill labor. So, you know, surgical rooms um, uh, have not really advanced much in terms of, of how they operate. In many aspects go back hundreds of years. This is a way to, to uh, modernize them. So the first thing is in handing instruments in a perfect order and being able to actually watch the surgeon and anticipate the surgeon's needs.
1: Surgeons, uh, many of them anyway, have become quite accustomed to working with robots, right? The, that's a whole field, a whole specialization today where they can use robots to do things, very intricate kinds of uh, surgeries, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in fact, that's where we're starting orthopedic where Mako Robotics, for instance, is often used in an orthopedic surgery, uh, but it does a, really just one thing. It, it helps guide a, a drill to drill through, through uh, flesh and bone. where you're going to put the device so this brings it to the next stage where the uh, the robot is actually assisting the surgeon handling instruments and will evolve from there same thing in the grow box um there are a variety of robots on large scale used in agricultural fields but we still use lots and lots of human labor in agriculture and the grow box is the first step towards us being able to supplement that human labor because a lot of people may not realize it but a lot of food goes to waste because there isn't enough human labor.
1: Very interesting. So you're also, I understand, looking at the field of assisting older adults.
0: Yes. So these are the first two applications because you have to have a beachhead somewhere, but uh, these are what uh, we call omni-purpose robots. So they have an omni-purpose AI, not a narrow AI, not a general AI. It's not going to take over the world. And Uh, one of my big goals is to be able to solve the elder care crisis. Um, My mother, uh, until she just, she passed away in June, she had three professional caretakers, but a lot of people uh, can't afford or don't have access to caretakers. Uh, And so they live very uh, poor and miserable lives. They're not near family. With our system, because it's an entire ecosystem, I can put Uh, imagine I have a million elderly uh, who need assistance. I have a million robots. I can have a hundred thousand professional caretakers standing by to jump in the robot to take care of their need. I can have family members scheduling time uh, to come in and be able to interact with their parents, cook them meals, help them in the garden, do their exercise. And then the AI can also fill part of the problem. So Um, our solution isn't just the robot, it's the AI, the robot and our cloud platform. And and over time, the AI will evolve to take more and more tasks. But I think family members, even if it was fully autonomous, would want to be there to help their family members. And so that's one of the other solutions.
1: Yes, whenever possible. And it's not just the physical tasks, I suppose, because one of the
0: big issues facing older adults today is loneliness. Absolutely. So, now they have social robots, but the advantage of, of ours is that I can make you the meal and then I can be with you during the meal and I can project my face on a holographic screen. I'll be at interacting. Uh, you very quickly will think it's me, especially if it's displaying my face, but it has all my gestures because it is me. I'm just using an alternative body.
1: Harry, what are the biggest challenges you feel you're facing today in, in making these beyond imagination ideas become real?
0: Well, I I, I think the technical hurdle is is advancing the AI so that we can rapidly uh, make it autonomous on a task-by-task basis, and and we're on the road to that. And then it's, I think, a perception. People are familiar with single-purpose-use robots, industrial robotic arms, um, but let's point out that 72% of all manufacturing is still done by humans because those robots can't do that task. So we have a perception issue and, and our other one is, is, is raising capital. Um, we're hoping, though, with these two new deals that uh, raising our, our A round, which we just launched um, in this month uh, for raising $10 million for $125 million value, uh, we'll rapidly move forward.
1: You've done some crowdfunding as well?
0: Yeah. So we we believe, and in fact, I've been part of the uh, XPRIZE community. I was one of the co-founders of that. I've uh, been involved in Singularity University, and and we have long preached that that uh, crowd resources uh, are the way to advance. Uh, so we have opened uh, a WeFunder campaign. So it's WeFunder uh, slash um where people can, can come in. We haven't opened it to the public, but we're telling folks like you it'll open to the public in September. Uh, but we've already raised over 130K uh, while in stealth mode, and the point of it is, is uh, regular people should be able to invest in the next Tesla, not just wealthy people.
1: What about the the? And you, I guess you addressed it to some extent. Uh, the social aspects of this and the psychological aspects are people ready, willing? Has Amazon paved the way with Alexa to some extent? Are the so people ready for this?
0: I, I, I think they are. Of course, there's always going to be people who are concerned. Uh, and rightfully so, you know what's happening to your private conversations. Um, and uh, but we we're creating a system that's not like Alexa. It's not silently listening to you all the time. Um, it's uh, and then broadcasting that back to Amazon. Uh, our our system is designed to be appealing to to everyone. So in fact, we've found uh, in live situations with everyone from little kids to uh, elderly up to the age of 99. It's been tested. Uh, and it has great appeal, and people people really connect with the robot, uh, both for what it can do and the humanity of it.
1: How do you do this in a way that's going to uh, not make this just a toy for the wealthy?
0: Well, so that's why we are, are bringing it to actual applications. So in the grow boxes, the the goal is to be able to feed uh, a growing world population and do so in a a healthy and economical way. Um, And then same thing in in surgery, the the more efficient you can make surgical rooms, actually the lower cost uh, those surgeries will be and the more effective they will be. Um, As we move forward uh, into enterprises such as elder care, again, that's not just for the wealthy, in fact, it's the opposite. The government actually pays for, for a lot of elder care this is a way where they could treat 10 people for the price of one. Um, and the same thing for manufacturing or anything else. We're, we're seeing massive increases in wages There's a report uh, today out on uh, just how low productivity is becoming. Um, it's dropped another 6.7% um, in the last quarter. And we're seeing a massive rise in wages. So wages going up, productivity going down. Um, with humanoid robots that can amplify human labor, uh, we hope to reverse that trend.
1: Tell us what advantages uh, you feel you have. And uh, you told us about some of the certainly A-plus list people in, involved here. Advantages you feel you have over companies like Tesla, and and I guess there there are a number of others that are that are working on on this issue.
0: Right. So I think our advantage is, is one gathered some of the best and brightest uh, across the fields not just in, in AI and robotics, but but across the entire business field. Our approach is not to build a demonstration robot that most companies aim at, uh, and are we're not trying to recreate the wheel. So we're looking at existing technology and where it's adaptable, adapting it, and where it doesn't exist, inventing it. Uh, but everything geared towards a product coming to market to solve tasks, take, uh, other companies like Boston Dynamic and Toyota and Honda, they've spent billions and haven't reached where we're at and we've spent under $6 million. And so uh, it's also that startup approach. There is an advantage of being in a lean, mean startup. So you have to find smarter solutions and not just do brute force. And then on an approach of creating something in between narrow AI and general AI, which is our omni-AI approach, um, our relationships, for instance, in brain mapping and therapeutics, our relationships across numerous exponential technologies, um, is enabling us to build something, I think, that's, that's unique both in hardware and software.
1: Do you see Amazon as a competitor, especially with its ending acquisition of
0: iRobot? Uh, no, I see Amazon as a future customer. Um, the, there's plenty of room. Let's put it this way. There's still plenty of room for car companies and they've been around for for uh more than a century um there's plenty of new electronic vehicles coming out even though tesla has a the major market share Um, but there are no humanoid robots on the market and even irobots not really humanoid robots um they're useful robots and i think there's there's a use for uh those robots as well as humanoids like us for instance you haven't mentioned tesla's is reaching out to build their own humanoid robot um i think that's only going to help us um the the market needs uh to grow uh in the uh humanoid robot area for taking on multiple tasks um and uh so i'm, I'm very excited to see these developments
1: what do you say to those who say this is this is a scary future i'm afraid of uh having robots they might get rid of us, that kind of thing.
0: Well, one, uh, I think that's a little too sci-fi-ish, but uh, uh, what they should really be thinking about is one, at least for our approach, we're not trying to do what Elon and others are doing, which is saying that they want to build general AI. Uh, we're tra- building something that's task-oriented. It's omnipurpose AI. It's not going to think, it's not going to value judge and say humans shouldn't be be around or we should... We should control them. Uh, It's no more going to take over the world than your toaster will. Uh, But what it will do is it will increase productivity. It will lower costs. It will buy you more free time. I mean, ultimately, our goal is to make a a product transition from enterprise five years from now into the consumer market. Um, And as Stephen Jobs uh, has often been quoted saying, people don't know what they want until you show them. I think this would be the same thing with our Beyond Me robots. Uh, I think once we show people that, imagine a, your daily life uh, I- where all of your tasks are taken care of. Um, so in essence, it's the march of, you know, the rich and famous can have maids and servants taking care of all of their needs. Um, my goal is that everybody could have that taken care of with uh, reasonably cost uh, humanoid robot servants.
1: What, what before I let you go? What do you see as reasonably priced for, for something like this? I know not, not tomorrow, but a little bit down the
0: road, right? So I mean, our our for enterprise will initially come out again. Um, I love Tesla and, and Elon. I'm not <laughs> I'm not afraid of his his entering this market. in, in part, uh, it's driven by us and others. Uh, it, around 125 to 150 thousand, so a high end uh, Tesla. Roadster, and then over the next five years, marching down to about $60,000 a unit at that price. It's it's the price of a nice mid-sized car, um, a uh, a luxury SUV, sort of in that area. So I think at 60,000, which you could break up over over a six year period, that's $10,000 a year, uh, becomes very affordable for a lot of people.
1: And uh, of course, you'd have to make it if it's going to go into homes, uh, every, everyday homes, something that's simple enough to, to, to use, not require a lot of maintenance, I guess goes back to the charger the way an iRobot does today.
0: Yeah. So in fact, that's why um, we're projecting five to six years from now for consumer and focus right now on enterprise where. Uh, we have closed environments and limited number of tasks versus in the home where things broaden out. Um, and that's basically our, our timeframe goal.
1: Well, congratulations on the, on the innovations and what you're doing there. And we certainly look forward to, to following what's to come. Harry Clore, thanks for taking the time with us. Thank you and take care. Bye-bye. Now this.